This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. Backed by popular demand, we have the grandson of the famous auto designer of Detroit, Richard Earl, is with us today. His auto passion is inherent to his lineage. He is part of one of the great American oldest families on wheels. His great-grandfather, Jacob W. Earl, was a late 19th century coach builder who started the family's auto heritage in 1889. Seven years before Henry Ford built his first car, Richard's grandfather, Harley J. Earl, is hailed as America's car design pioneer and the auto industry's first design superstar. And I can remember about 10 years ago, they had his name on ads, I believe, for Buick. Yes, that's right. And I saw on national TV about the legacy and the greatness of Harley Earl and our guest today is his grandson Richard Earl who does public speaking. He's available to any group throughout the United States and Canada uh, for uh, public speaking. Um, Let's first talk about the dream team at General Motors in the early 1950s which Harley Earl was such a part of. Richard? Uh, Thank you. It's uh, good to see you again Brian. um, It's it's always a a pleasure to share with your audience. Uh, this is like a series uh, that um, it's more stranger than fiction. Seventy years ago, right now, General Motors, Detroit, and the American automobile industry were the crown jewels of the entire business world, and uh, leading, you know, coming out on the heels of World War II, uh, Detroit was the technology capital of the world. And uh, you had this dream team of leaders that built this corporation up and toppled uh, Henry Ford being the dominant uh, car company in the world. And uh, General Motors got cemented near a 50% market share for decades of time. And uh, they did it through uh, primarily, uh, they built the largest, the most prestigious industrial corporation in the world through design and technology leadership. And one of the greatest candles on the cake of their career. I like to say they because this is a team story. Harley was the designer but uh, and the inventor, but uh, you had uh, an individual that created uh, this car, the Corvette. Uh, and One of the most famous cars in history. Yes, and and it, it all started in and, and him taking a trip to New York to Watkins Glen and uh, with the LeSabre show car and uh, and that's really where he got the brainstorm for the idea to to get this uh, American sports car rolling that was in 1951 when he took the LeSabre there and and uh, paced the lap around uh, to start the race in, in the LeSabre this amazing show car one of a kind uh, you know America's or and the world's first post-World War II supercar uh, the car had heated seats uh, heated seats back in 1950 yeah. 70 yeah. years ago heated yes. seats yes, huh. yes. amazing and, and and this technology that still doesn't exist in any car today which is a a rain sensor imagine going to your golf uh, uh, club and you were meeting your buddies and you all had your tops down and you were parked in between 
the Lexus and the Mercedes-Benz two-seater and you get like eight holes out on the course with your buddies and it starts to rain and the the card by GM, the two-seater, the top and the windows would come up automatically at a drop of rain and of course, you know, your friends would be running back or, or trying to get back to the clubhouse as quickly as possible to you know, to save their car. Because once you get an inch of rain in a car, we all know that, you know, there's those horrors. So he had that 70 years ago. Yeah, it was on the, the little, little Sabre show car. And it's still, it's a 21st century idea because hmm. nobody's done it on a production car yet. Again, uh, our guest, grandson of the famous Harley Earl, uh, the top designer in uh, Detroit for General Motors is available for public speaking engagements uh, throughout the United States and Canada. You can contact him at 561-420-9880 or look to the harleyjearl.com website. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the naming of the Corvette. Now the Corvette in the last uh, year has come out, last two years, with a new model I believe it's a mid-engine Corvette, and uh, they're selling far over sticker price. It's so popular, the new one, sort of old-fashioned. I like the engine under the front hood, <laughs> but I guess they're following Ferrari and Lamborghini and these other cars. But let, let's talk about the naming of the Corvette. Uh, Richard Earl, how was it named? Well, it's a, it's a great, kind of an unsold story, because Harley's story because of the direction GM went in in the last half of uh, the four, 30 years of uh, the 20th century, um, a lot of the stuff uh, remained hidden uh, underneath the surface. But Harley was responsible for creating and naming a symphony of motoramic masterpieces from the Y-Job, the LeSabre, Corvette, the Firebird, et cetera, et cetera. All the Buick names like Roadmaster and Special and Century, and all of these names lured millions of loyal GM car buyers into the company's vast network of dealership showrooms throughout the nation. So it's no surprise that Corvette's proud papa rolled his baby out of his GM styling studio doors, knowing that this iconic car would likely go on to become the first all-American sports car to go into production in Detroit. And I always liked the, the, the quote from James Schefter's uh, Simon & Schuster book from 1996 titled All Corvettes Are Red and it goes like this quote finding the car's name was a challenge Earl discarded almost 300 suggestions before he found one he liked it was a name attached to a kind of fast fighting battleship in the old British Navy Corvette end quote very appropriate name now I knew of the Buick LeSabre, which I think was, uh, for decades, one of the top sellers uh, with Buick. It no longer is a nameplate for Buick, but it was a very popular car. I'm sure they built hundreds of thousands of LeSabres. And I never knew of this Pioneer show vehicle in 1950-1951 that Harley Earl designed, the original uh, LeSabre. So maybe if you could talk about that and also the logo and the design. It, it's 70 years ago and then you showed me that they spent seven million dollars to create this but they got a lot of good publicity. Tell us about the LeSabre and your grandpa 
Harley J. Earl? Well, Brian, that was a, that's a great question. Um, well, first off, uh, you know, I'm a, a bit of a historian. I, I get called an automotive archaeologist, and uh, I like to use this quote because I have to prove everything that I, I talk about and write. And um, I like to use David Halberstam's quote and from that uh, uh, New York Times bestselling seller back in the 90s. He was a Pulitzer Prize winning historian. And his quote was regarding the LeSabre, the cost to the company, General Motors, of building this prototype was estimated at roughly $7 million. And, but and today least, that would be a hundred million today, or north of a hundred million. Yeah. And uh, you know he concluded by saying, "quote At least it was an American car," said author historian David Halberstam. And this car was so interesting because coming out of the war, we were still a little upset. And what Mercedes Benz was to um, to to Germany during World right. War II, General Motors was to America, and this is about teams and um, and I I think I want to just show you a picture, uh, just uh, because I want to get your reaction, because it relates to the story of why Harley, um, you know, came up with this idea to flip the Mercedes Benz logo and put it on the front of the. Um, the Sabre car. Right? Now we're looking at a picture I would take it when Hitler was in power and it says Heil Hitler and then underneath is the Mercedes-Benz logo. So but, why did Harley want to invert it and have it pointing down? Well, what was is, the reasoning? Okay, that's a great question. Well, this is a historical photo that I'm just showing Brian and mm -hmm. and the, the Heil Hitler is spelled out in Mercedes-Benz car and the shot was taken from uh, a plane or a Zeppelin or something. So this is back in the mid-30s. And so, you know, there was so much disruption by what Hitler did during the war that we were a little angry. Um, and this was Harley's way of soothing some of this and he had all these friends with military leaders which I've shown you mm -hmm. Eisenhower uh, Harley was friends and and they I'm sure they worked together during World War two Curtis LeMay and um, and Hoyt Vandenberg so he really built the car and the logo mm -hmm. for these individuals and he flipped the Mercedes-Benz logo instead of having the TriStar pointed up yeah, victoriously in the air, he flipped it and put it on, you know, the front of the the the, the LeSabre and had like a bullseye target you'd see in the middle of a archery um, uh, target. So it's sort of an insult to Adolf Hitler, uh, or yeah, well, who's no longer around. But the you know the post war um, engineers of Mercedes Benz were still around, and I'm sure they got. Um, you know, really kind of upset by the whole thing. And then Harley, you know, paraded the car in America. It got a lot of attention and then sent it over in 51 to the Paris Auto Show. Mm -hmm. And then he had, you know, these these logos that were on the front of the car and on the on the rims of the, each wheel. Right. That they could be unscrewed and taken off and then the other uh, LeSabre logos could be put on, which were less threatening. And that's really what ended up happening. Harley just had it kind of as a prototype, you know, kind of like so he could show it to the military leaders in America 
and and also when the car was in Europe for the 51 uh, Paris Auto Salon, which it got an enormous amount of attention because the car really was the world's first supercar. You know, Germany was still in 51 digging out of um, the mess they got themselves into uh, in the 30s and during the war and uh, and rebuilding and everything. And we were helping, of course. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's kind of an interesting story because it was never told properly. And I think I've done a good job. I just showed you I have... Uh, a way of showing people this story and it's it's this story is going to come out because it's um the individuals like this they 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 created all this technological success as i said detroit was the technology capital of the world right. long before silicon valley was even invented it was also one of the wealthiest cities in the world now it's one of the poorest yes but that's that's also i mean as far as storytelling goes i mean when america does something on the upside mm -hmm. like right now with the stock market and everything boy it shoots for the moon yeah and when it goes down i mean like this is a, a classic example it's like it took a long time for general motors to crater in 0809 and um i just hope that uh and I believe that uh, something good will come, come and there'll be, be some sort of transition in America. I think Detroit is still the last bastion of U.S. manufacturing in America as a hub. And it's still the auto capital of the world. You've got three, you know, they've got an enormous amount of market share. Still, meaning mm -hmm. Chrysler, uh, well, Ford and, and General Motors. Uh, you know, hopefully they won't lose anymore and that they'll start gaining market share. That's what I'd like to see because I think that that's how you stick around for a long time. We're learning a great deal from the grandson of the famous auto designer, the father of the Corvette, Harley J. Earl. We're speaking with Richard Earl again. If you'd like to have him speak uh, anywhere in the United States and Canada as we blanket 17 states and much of Canada, you can contact him through the harleyjearl.com website or call him at phone number seven excuse me five six one four two zero nine eight eight zero a little uh, plug here uh, the uh, bet fifteen twenty Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Eagle has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and account events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Eagle. The Ampol Eagle is available in many Tops and Wegmans stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454. Have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. I'd like to thank those who called recently regarding our guest with Sheriff John Garcia, international investor John Castle, and Niagara University head of the Family Business Center, Joseph Winner. Coming up, we're going to have the author of Titan of the Senate about Orrin Hatch, U.S. Senator Orrin Hatch, written by William Doyle, who will be coming up on this program. A little bit more information about Richard Earle. He has spent the last 25 years, 10 of which were in Metro Detroit, unearthing a story on America's mid-20th century auto world. In 2003, U.S. Auto Science did an article on his having information and perspective no one else has. 
our guest today, Richard Earle. Now, you had an experience in the Car Museum in Hutchinson Island in Florida with the Ferrari Club of uh, Palm Beach. What was that all about, Richard Earle? Oh, Brian, yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun. It was last May, and uh, they were, this Ferrari Club uh, is having a luncheon at the museum. It's a wonderful, it's called the Elliott Museum in Hutchinson Island. And uh, this brick and mortar museum built uh, some 20 years, 25 years ago. Anyway, uh, it, the, the topic that day was Ford versus Ferrari, mm -hmm. which was a very popular movie. And, I saw it. Yeah. yeah. My and, son and I saw and, it. We liked it. And Shelby, gosh, what a great uh, auto character. And uh, what, what happened basically is uh, Luigi Cinetti started... Um, he told Enzo Ferrari, look, if you want to keep this dream alive, you're going to have to start selling Ferraris in America. And let me go over there with my father and start the first uh, distributor in New York City. And Ferrari backed him. And um, and and the rest of the story is history. But, uh, you know, so the story, the theme at, at the luncheon was was Ford versus Ferrari. So I was invited to speak after Luigi Cinetti told his wonderful Ferrari legacy story. And he's a top uh, speaker at Ferrari events around around the globe, actually. And so um, when I, I came up with, and, and I, it's all very well documented. Mm -hmm. my, the title of my talk was Corvette versus Ferrari came first. And basically uh, in 1960, uh, and, and Harley created these uh, one-of-a-kind Corvette race cars, and uh, you know his his son, my my dad, was taking uh, a Ferrari to the racetrack and owned a Ferrari in the mid '50s, and he he's like, son, you know, I, you know, he, Harley made his son Jerry an offer he couldn't refuse, which is the, like, uh, I'll build you a Corvette one-of-a-kind race car inside. Mm -hmm. uh, General Motors that will go toe to toe with any Ferrari on the racetrack, and the rest of that story is history. My dad went with with a full factory sponsored team to these race tracks like Elkhart Lake, and and um, you know this was the beginning of the SECA's uh, amazing run in America uh, around um, you know g getting all these wonderful races started. And and my dad, you know, took this this uh, 57 SR2 was its name to the uh, excuse me, it was on a 56 body and chassis, right? And uh, and then he went to you know the cars, you know, all these cars went to to Sebring, and but anyway, getting to Court versus Ferrari came first. Uh, Briggs Cunningham took a a, a legion of of uh, 1960 Corvettes to and and won their division one of them in 1960 took took them to Le Mans so the whole episode with with uh, Ford that came years later but General Motors was like racing Corvettes and, I mean, and how did the Ferrari. race turn out with the for, with the Corvette versus Ferrari oh you know Ferrari won just like uh, it did um, it's kind of a long-term story, yeah. But it just showed that the, the, the General Motors prowess mm -hmm. in the mid '50s, and and Harley was, you know, he was racing and had um, 
gasoline in his veins veins when he was a little kid. Yeah. He raced at the Santa Monica track, you know, when he was growing up in in uh, Southern California in Los Angeles, Hollywood is where he was from, and so he was racing. So he just did this for his kids, and he knew, and he stayed young. He was like um, uh, interesting how how young he was able because he designed for you know at this time he was in his 60s when he designed this car but i like to tell people you know because i this this corvette historian nolan adams who wrote about the first generation corvette right he wrote me a letter when he sent me his book titled corvette american legend the beginning and he's like uh richard here's a copy of my book this is in his letter he sent me uh, I, I give your grandfather full credit for the Corvette. Um, now let's see, Harley Earl was your grandfather and the father of the Corvette. Hence, all Corvettes are your uncles. Very good. Very well said. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, I kind of have this interesting way of, uh, or, or it's a perspective. It's a different type of perspective. And I'm telling a story that kind of... Uh, Remain behind the scenes all this year, all these years. So, so Harley's, you know, he's had his name on trophies. One of the most storied trophies in motorsports is called the Harley J. Earl Daytona 500 Trophy. It's this sterling silver trophy hmm. that was a jet car, the Firebird One, blazing down the beach, uh, close to 200 miles an hour, with a three-time. Um, uh, Indy, Indy 500 driver behind the wheel, Maury Rose, who worked for, for General Motors driving the Firebird test car. So that's this sterling silver image that's, that is that is the Daytona 500 trophy. And uh, it's, it's just kind of exciting. You know, Harley was just a legend of uh, motorsports and uh, have your name end up being called uh, for the Super Bowl trophy of of NASCAR, you know, the Daytona 500. It's called the Harley J. Earl Daytona 500 Trophy. Wonderful. A great legacy. Again, if you're interested in having Richard Earl, grandson of the famous auto designer Harley Earl, speak, he is available throughout the U.S. and Canada. You can look up the HarleyJEarl.com website or call Richard Earl at 561-420-9880. And if you have any thoughts or comments, if you're listening in Toronto, Buffalo, or Washington, D.C., drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, The Bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. Our station is letters as far away as Scandinavia, New Zealand. We'd like to hear from our Canadian and European listeners. One more thing in the bio about Richard Earle that says, so enter Richard, ironically the only Earl descendant to pursue an auto-related career since his grandfather's death in 69. He lives in South Florida and edits the official HarleyJEarl.com website. Uh, let's uh, uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the legacy of Harley J. Earl, what you hope to do to keep this name, his legacy, his history alive. Richard Earl. Well, thanks, Brian. And, uh, you know, th th this is, this story is uh, such a big part of uh, America's uh, automotive DNA. And, uh, I mean, people, young people today, they think, uh, 
more or less uh, with their phones that, that this technology that they can't live without is the the, the best thing going but to, to, you know the automobile is the world's most adored consumer product and it's also the world's most important consumer product and it's also the world's most sophisticated technology product for the longest period of time. Cars have been sophisticated as far as technology since the early 30s when General Motors started having these 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 amazing works of art and engineering fly off the assembly lines in volume production in the millions and and it just became a step uh, process to make them more sophisticated. So in the future I think ultimately you know, since, uh, I mean, everybody's heard the Ford story. I think what's interesting is Harley's story. He, he I mean, the Earls, you know, um, or one of them, America's first families on wheels. And it's kind of a, a nice new way to tell the story. Harley was from Hollywood. His father was a late 19th century coach builder, as you mentioned, and sniffed the winds of change, much like other auto in innovators like Henry Ford going into the new century. And he had an amazing story all his own, and um, and then it morphed into what, you know, Harley going to GM and kind of changing the world by creating these new ways to market uh, products, which are this, the reason people buy fo phones today is the same reason they bought cars back in the mid 20th century. They were, you know, they see the lavish launch. Or uh, and an annual introduction. General Motors invented the annual styling model change, which is how people buy cars. It's how buy people buy cars. I mean, uh, uh, tel telephones, uh, technology products. They're always there's constant improvement. It wasn't invented in Japan. It was invented in America, and um, the story just got sidelined for for a while because. It's just it's it's the way things work. I like to tell people, Brian. I've told you this before. Mm -hmm. the, the, this is like uh, Americans love to eat, as we all know. Um, this story's been flavor developing on the back burner of time for decades, and um, and it's it's just been you know it's 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 um, it's it's like a. I, I don't know that's the way I like to say it it's 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 just I think if I could put this together and show more people how Harley and the leaders of General Motors created this whole new operating system uh to build the automobiles and they build these full-size clay models it's called a car design studio every car company in the world today has this technology and it all started inside General Motors and it all started with Harley Earl um, nearly a hundred years ago in 1927. So we're, we're coming up on I'm the I'm sorry I have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. Again, if you'd like to have our guest Richard Earl speak before groups throughout the United States and Canada, just go to the harleyjearl.com website or call him at 561-420-9880. Thank you for enlightening us, Richard Earl, about your grandfather Harley Earl. Thank you, Brian. And also, special thanks to our director of production, Kevin Carr, for the last 15 years. Thank you for teaching us so much about the legacy of Harley J. Earl. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226.